You know, there, um, a few weeks ago I, I spoke on the love that never fails, and last week I spoke about the fact that in order to achieve unity we have to sacrifice. And both of these messages came from the Parsha reading, and today is really no different. The Parsha really spoke to me, and obviously it spoke to Tyler too, because our theme of holiness is so similar. Obviously, it spoke to Becca, too, because, uh, you know, uh, Nancy, could we go back to the song uh, Mountains, or what, what's that second song we did? Um, go to those words, back to the, the song that Becca did early. It's called Mountains. And any rate, good, thank you. So... It, 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 it really encapsulates what I want to talk about to some degree today is, is if you picture the people in, in Exodus, they are, they're told that actually they can't go to, up the mountain, but they don't want to go anyway because they're scared of, of God. And so it says, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. Who can ascend this holy hill? Who can approach his holy place? Okay, here's the key. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. And that comes right out of uh, the Beatitudes, which is also part of the parasha this week, which I'll talk about in a few minutes. But you understand the connection of God's word. It's not like there's a verse here and a verse here. God's word connects with us and connects with each with the other words to produce something that God is saying we must listen to notice by the way that the people listened if if you remember what we read in the Torah reading the people said we will do it however it was before the 10 commandments what they were agreeing to was to be in covenant with God. They didn't realize this is going to be work. They said, we'll do it, but, you know, it seems kind of easy right now. Well, God said, okay, wait till you start some of the, the, the rest of what I have for you. And so, you know the Ten Commandments. We're not going to go over the Ten Commandments. Hopefully, you know them. And, um, but... We're going to start with Isaiah 6, because in this parasha reading, and those of you who don't know what I'm talking about when I say parasha, if you look at your uh, announcements on the front page on the left side is this week's readings for parasha, and then um, next to it is next week's readings for the parasha. So as you study these things, we can really... Um, when, when the message is on the parsha, you're going to be well ready for that message, ready to receive it because you've done your homework, you've read prior to um, this message. So here's Isaiah 6, 1 through 3. In the year of King Uzziah, his death, I saw Adonai sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. 
Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Adonai Tzavo'ot, which means the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. I mentioned this yesterday. As a Jewish person growing up, I would have never thought this was in the Jewish Bible. Uh, because first of all, we didn't talk about angels. And second of all, um, you know, just the whole concept of, of viewing into the heavenlies, I had no clue that's in the Hebrew scriptures. And, uh, but one of the things that we can gather very simply from this passage is the fact that God is holy. And so all of heaven is worshiping God because he's so holy. And which is a little different from what's going on down here where some of us are worshiping God and saying holy, holy, holy. But up there, everybody, right? And so we have to think, what about us? Leviticus 19.2, you're probably familiar with it. Speak to all the congregation of B'nai Yisrael and tell them, you shall be Kiddushim. Kiddushim are the holy ones or saints. Sometimes it's, it's, it's um, translated as saints. Meaning you are to be holy. For the Lord says, I, Adonai your God, am holy. So God has this desire for you and I to be holy. Honestly, if you can keep the Ten Commandments, I think you are on your way to holiness. I don't want to even ask how many of the commandments you have broken so far in your life. But I can pretty much guarantee that all of us have broken at the very minimum, one. At the very minimum. But we won't go there. We want to look at holiness. <laughs> yes, no problem. Uh, and you know, interesting enough, sometimes you read about people in the Bible, it doesn't mean that they've always done good. You know, so there are some things we realize that God is showing us this is bad that our leaders have done. But then sometimes it's good. And Isaiah is an example of what I believe God was looking for. So we look in verse 4 and 5. Then the posts of the door trembled at the voice of those who called. And the house was filled with smoke. This sounds very much like an exodus scene almost, you know, by the mountain. Then I said, you, you got to love Messianic translations, don't you? Oi! Everybody say, oi! You have any idea what oi means? Like, Ugh! that's kind of what it means. I, I realize that isn't putting it into words, but oi means like... Oi, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, but oi sounds better whatever the, than the English translations, whatever they are, because they always sound weird. Uh, oi to me, for I am ruined, 
For I am a man of unclean lips, and I am dwelling among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, Adonai Sivaot. So here's the first key to holiness. Recognize that you are not holy. (laughs) That's the first key. The first key is to know that you're a sinner. And... He undoubtedly knows that he is in the midst of God and he realizes this awesome God and, and, and he's, he's uh, as we say, chopped liver. You know, he's nothing. And so he says, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips. Wow, that sounds like people today all the time. Unclean lips. Um, yeah. That is, that is a difficulty, isn't it, uh, in our society of unclean lips. So unclean lips certainly keeps us from being holy. And the question is, he says he's ru- ruined because he's not prepared, in a sense, to meet with God. And, and the question is, are you prepared to meet with God? I don't mean in death. I mean in life. <laughs> and... Um, But the neat thing is that oftentimes we can be unprepared and God brings the preparation. He brings it. So we read in 6 and 7 of Isaiah, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a glowing coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Now, interesting enough, in this scripture, the, the seraphim uses tongues to take a coal which goes right on to the mouth of Isaiah. Just picture that a second. And so he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your iniquity is taken away and your sins atoned for. This is a God thing. There's no other way that Isaiah would have been prepared to do the things that he was called to do without God doing something in Isaiah first. And so God chose Isaiah but he needed his sins cleansed. It doesn't mean he never sinned again, nor does it mean that he has a free ticket to sin again. It means that Isaiah has the confidence that when he repents, God will hear him and wipe away his sin. So we see this is, in a sense, a forerunner of what Yeshua does for us. And so now we see Isaiah 6, 8. Then I heard the voice of Adonai saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And of course, us is always an interesting thought because it shows the plurality of God. But we won't go that route today. But um, so I said, Hineni, send me. So like Moses, though Moses was a little tougher, Isaiah had to have this 
meeting with God to gain the confidence that he was okay to be an ambassador for God, that he was okay, he was good enough to represent God. And we have that very same need for an encounter with God. People who don't feel that they can work for God because they're not good enough has not encountered God. Because when you encounter God, he puts into your spirit that you are good enough, even though you're not holy. And you're seeking holiness, as Tyler talked about, but you, in, you're not holy. But the fact that you have this encounter with God, God does something and he gives you the confidence to go into the holy of holies where, where to encounter God so that, you can, that he can be used for God. And so you can be used for God. The key is that we want to be holy because we want to be used by God. We want to understand and, and know the Ten Commandments and, and, and try to keep them because we want to be used by God. And we, we don't want to be separated from God because of the sin which has not been wiped away. So we go to God we ask him to wipe away the sin. Now, in this parasha, the new covenant, the Brich Harasha, we see what is called the Beatitudes. It's the instructions from Yeshua. Yeshua is instructing what should the attitudes of those who are following look like, be like. And it's kind of interesting because blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh my goodness, that's, that doesn't sound like something I want to be. Uh, those who mourn, I don't think so. Uh, those who are meek, uh, come on, we've learned meekness isn't good. Those hungering and thirsting for righteousness, well, of course, I absolutely do that. And um, merciful, pure in heart, and peacemakers. So each one of these things that Yeshua is speaking about cause us to look at ourselves and consider because if we're going to follow God, we have to follow his word. And this is very specific in his word that Yeshua is saying, these are the things that I want you to really wrap your head around, so to speak. I want you to understand, because we know that when we're poor in spirit, we're humble and, and then we're going to depend on God. And, and if we're mourning, we're going to depend on God. And the meek depend on God. And certainly all of, these, in all of these attitudes are all about depending on God. So we, we think, and, and this instruction is, is um, different from the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments say what you shouldn't do. And this... What Yeshua is teaching is, I want to bless you for what you're doing. Blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Doesn't take much to be poor in spirit. I think we could all do that. So, my thought is this. 
As we progress in Scripture, God raises the bar. He gives us greater insight to His holiness. He starts out with things like the Ten Commandments and the other laws. But these are laws. They don't necessarily touch our heart. But then when we start learning about His holiness, we realize that this is an important part of our relationship with God. And then, in the New Covenant, we learn specifics about God, what God is saying, that we should look like, that we should be like. And so he raises the bar because it's, it's like, okay, you learned that, now learn this, now learn this. And so he just makes it more and more, in a sense, difficult. But in a sense, it gives us also clarity. So we in Messianic Judaism pride ourselves in knowing the importance of God's Word. We have to be obedient to God's Word in love. We cannot just be obedient. It's not enough to be obedient. It, we have to be in obedient from the depths of our heart. God is saying that we might seem weak to the world, but as we depend on him, we have strength and we have victory. And with that thought in mind, Yeshua continues to instruct us about some things we don't want to read. Because right after the attitudes of, you know, be weak and meek and all these things and peacemaker, it comes verses 10 through 12 in Matthew, and I'd like to read those with you. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely on account of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, the uh, difficult thing about being a believer is you know scripture, so you know what to apply here in this situation. And as we discuss this, because that's what we do at uh, the Friday night Shabbat dinners, we have a discussion. Oh, everybody was totally cool about, yeah, we, you know, we can rejoice uh, even when we suffer, even if we're persecuted, we know it's going to, it's, you know, it's no big deal. You know, I haven't met too many of you who have been able to shake off everything that happens to you. And I think we are living in an unreal world to think that this does not affect us. Uh, we are affected and we have to learn what, what it truly means to rejoice in struggle because until we're really struggling, we, that is going to be the test as to whether or not we can rejoice. And so uh, this is, life is tough and Yeshua just said it's going to get tougher because of him. And and so these are the circumstances. I, I'm, you know, there was a situation, I won't go into it, 
most of you don't know about it, which is great. Uh, but a particular situation came up in a, in a church somewhere, uh, far off and somewhere. And um, the, the people who were visiting the church, who were uh, messianic, were not treated kindly. Let's put it like that. And they got incensed. So the next thing that happened was um, they put together a, um, because, you know, they're online, so they put together something explaining the situation because they wanted to make sure that everybody knew about this other place and, and how they reacted and, you know, anti-Semitism is live and well and all of those kinds of things. It is very hard when you feel humiliated to not react to it. It is very hard, but I believe that these scriptures are telling you that, yeah, you might have been persecuted for righteousness. Okay, too bad. Get over it. And rejoice and be glad. How many times has somebody told you to rejoice and you said, hey, don't talk to me now. <laughs> Though I must say, I was very impressed with Calvin and Crystal last night as they told the story of, of how Crystal was uh, feeling I shouldn't tell your own story, but at any rate, she was feeling bad, and she was sitting in the sukkah, and, and Calvin was away, and so they spoke on the phone, and he said, where are you, and, and so aren't you supposed to rejoice, and, and she said, uh, and she, she started rejoicing, and I was pretty impressed with that. I, look, we have this thing about fairness. And fairness means to us, well, let me give you a good definition of fairness. Where do I have it? I have no idea where it is. Okay. Fairness is that everybody gets what they deserve, both positive and negative. That's fairness. And if somebody gets more than they deserve, or less than they deserve, that's unfair. Well, I can't tell you how that doesn't work in God's economy. It, it just is, it, it just doesn't work. And so now, what I'm telling you is God's economy is actually going against our culture and our upbringing and everything that we know that is right and true and that we've been taught. God is saying, no, 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 no. That's, you know, Tyler was talking about how the fact that we have to be ambassadors. We have to be known for our holiness. So what kind of holiness gets revenge? We really have to take a look at ourselves. We don't have to look at the unbelievers. 
We just need to look at ourselves. And, and, and we don't have to complicate God's word and find the nuggets. It's always nice to find nuggets. But why don't we just deal with the actual words and pin them on us and say, are you following this? Are you doing this? We live in a different world. Many people don't care about God and his word. And so they're not interested in following him. And their view of right and wrong is based on their common sense. So the fact that one person is allowed to prosper and the other isn't, one person dies early, the other person lives a long life, and the whole Holocaust thing, obviously, is, you know, I would never follow a God who allows the Holocaust. How many times have you heard that? Or allowed little babies in, uh, to die in Chicago and New York and wherever. I mean, these are the things that we are up against and why we are dealing in such a secular world because our, our hearts are broken which is a good thing, but we just can't see God in this quotient. And look, don't argue with people when they are feeling like this. Don't, don't say, oh, well, you know, God is this and God is that. No, be compassionate. It's real. It's real. However, those of you who have signed up to follow God and his word, First of all, you have to realize you're a minority. And I'm talking now in the believing community. I'm not talking about outside. If you have signed up to follow God and make him number one in your life, you are a minority in the minority of the minority. If you got all those minorities. In fact, they should give us everything because we're such a minority. No. No, we, actually, we have everything. So, for us, the answer to the question, is God fair, has to be looked at through his lens, which is scripture. Fairness from the world's thinking, as I said, is... Everybody gets exactly what you deserve. If God were completely fair, we'd all spend eternity in hell. Because that's what we deserve. So let's not talk about the fairness of God. Because he certainly is, is, is merciful. But we know that things happen. And, and he allows it, obviously. Let's look at Deuteronomy 32.4. This is what God says about himself. The rock, blameless in his work. Indeed, all his ways are just. God is faithfulness, a God of faithfulness without iniquity. Righteous and upright is he. So now you have to decide something. Am I a believer? Or am I part of the world? Because I think 
even for a young person who doesn't know too much, the scripture is fairly clear of who God is. So you have to start with the understanding that God is not only right, he's faithful, he's merciful, he's, he's upright. Indeed, everything he does is just. The answer is always about faith. It's, it's, and because he's in control, he has a plan. Is God fair? Yes, he's gracious, merciful, forgiving. And, and Hebrews 11.1, 1, I don't know how often we have to recite this. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of realities not seen. You have to get that so deep into your spirit because faith is 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 faith because you don't see it. It's 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 you don't need faith to find out the score of a football game after it's over. You look at the the you know there's there are the numbers. That's the end of it. You don't need faith for that. But you do need faith to follow God. Because he doesn't give us those things in that way. He instructs us to rejoice in difficult circumstances. You know, Sam's gone through all sorts of stuff. And he has to continue to rejoice. He has no choice. To do anything else would, would, would not be pretty. Not be pretty. So at the end of the day... Each one of you here has to answer this question. Who do I serve? Who do I serve? I can serve the world, and I can serve God. Who, who do you serve? Who do you serve? When you answer that question, everything else will fall into place. Everything. God does not change his instruction, his holiness. He requires us to be holy as he is holy. His requirement to depend on him, his commanding us to rejoice, all of these things don't change from the beginning of Scripture to the end of Scripture. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, probably in the middle, the Lord, Adonai, uh, trust in him with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, He'll direct your paths. He'll make your path straight. And so we, we have to understand that the bottom line is trusting God and not to lean on your own understanding. If you lean on your own understanding, you're part of the world. If you lean on God, you're part of God's world. It's, it's kind of simple. And, and the, the, the problem is sometimes we try and have one foot in this world and one foot in that world, and it, it's very hard to move that way. You, you realize, you know, that's not that easy. Okay. Let me close with a word of encouragement. Romans 5, 15, 13. I love this verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace, shalom, in trusting so you may overflow with power, in, with hope, I'm sorry, with hope in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. So, 
as we allow the instruction of God be, to be our Bible, so to speak, for those who have accepted Yeshua into their lives, let this scripture resonate. If you've never accepted Yeshua into your life, let this scripture go into your heart because you have to decide who you want to serve. And John 14, 6 says very clearly, Yeshua said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Talk about a scripture that offends the world. That is absolutely offensive. In fact, that could be considered hate speech. No, seriously. In Canada and other places, that's hate speech. And so that's why you have to decide today and every day who you're going to serve. Yeshua makes us holy before the Father. So if there's somebody here who's never accepted Yeshua, this is the time to do it. If there's somebody on Facebook Live who's listening and you've never accepted Yeshua, this is the time to do it because you want to make a decision because you can't be in both camps. So just say, Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Lord, I am, I am accepting you into my heart. I receive you into my heart. Lord, I am dedicated to you forever. I make you number one. And if you just said a simple prayer similar to that, God just welcomes you into his community, to his, his family, his mishpacha, the, the, the people of God. And, and um, so join with us and, and, and have a life filled with godly influence rather than worldly influence. And if you've done this and, and we can help you with a, a book or some, something to help your walk with the Lord, uh, if you're on Facebook Live and, and you're not close to us and you want to go somewhere else, we'll, we'll recommend a place for you. But call us and let us know of your decision so that we can encourage you. Father, I pray in the name of Yeshua that we will realize, Lord, that you are a holy God and your desire is for us to be holy. And Lord, our desire is to be holy. So Father, I ask that you would infuse us with the power of your spirit, that there would be an anointing of your spirit going into us in such a way that this week, will we, it'll be a, a change. When somebody uh, is offensive to us, we will remember to rejoice and be glad because we stand for the Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. And so, Lord, as ambassadors, we don't need to teach them or get even. We just need to represent you. So, Lord, help us to represent you this day, this week. We bless you and praise you in the name of Yeshua.